There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play store. Know where you stand with OnX. Okay, I'm going to do like a... um host of a late night show i'm gonna say ladies and gentlemen we have a very special show for you tonight joined by taylor mccall actual musician yes sir <laughs> actual like, actual real musician taylor mccall so they say what state are you from from south carolina yeah stay close to that mic yeah i'll get close to it tell people how you don't like to wear your own hat oh just because uh you can't wear your own t-shirt you can't wear your own hat just uh i don't know you can't be called in tj maxx with your own hat on I don't, just can't be a tool. <laughs> so it, uh, that puts me in an awkward spot. You wear a meat eater hat. Yeah, and a t-shirt. But you got to, you got to, I mean. But it's not my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, I had yeah, a name yeah, that yeah. said Steve, yeah, sure. Yeah. I wouldn't wear a shirt yeah. that said like Steve. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, unless it was like a different Steve. Yep, yep. What about a shirt that just said Dave? No, because that'd be like people that wear garage shirts with someone else's name on it. Ozzy used to do that. He'd uh, be in like the tight spandex, like outfit wild, you know, gut hanging out and it just say Ozzy and bedazzles. And it's like, nobody's got the balls to be wearing that these days. You're talking about, you're talking the, bl- the Blizzard of Oz. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You fan? Yeah, my dad. That's what I grew up on. He's Dude. a big Randy Rhodes fan. So that's what, Oh, is that right? Yep, Dying yep. the plane wreck. Yep, yep. That's how the best of them go. You know, um, I used to have a, I used to work for a place called Quality Maintenance Contractors and they did, uh, industrial coatings and painting and all that. And one time me and this dude from high school named Craig Kemp had to go 
into a factory where they made auto parts. Mm-hmm. They made like rear view mirrors and stuff for Honda or something okay. like that. But it was in it was in Michigan. And we had to clean the whole ceiling. Like degrease from the car factory? In an auto parts yeah. factory. Degrease all of the the steel girders and trusses because mm. they were going to spray them, and they had to put that fire retardant spray up there. Mm-hmm. But it all had to be prepped. And we were, and it was, we were just doing one section, and they wanted it done. Like we had to do it just in one spell. And I and we came in first shift was in that factory when me and Craig showed up. They left. Second shift came in. They left. Third shift came in. They left. The first shift people came back. Oh, man. And me and Craig were still there. And I entered like a transcendent transcendent state. What's the word I'm trying to say? Like a hallucinatory yeah. state. Yeah. That flow state. <laughs> and we were listening to KLQ. I'll, I'll always remember this. We're up in a scissor lift. Mm-hmm. And I entered such a state that I at one point said, I think they're going to play Crazy Train. Oh, man. That's what you needed. And they played Crazy Train. Did they? That's usually the way it goes. When I, I don't never listen to the radio, but if I turn it on, it's usually got to be something where it, it goes right back off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you get that, that's one like streaming services are nice and all that, but you can't. There's a thing about radio. Like, why do song like so, good songs sound better on radio? Yeah, because you don't have the the you don't have the access. Because it's a surprise. Yeah, man. yeah, it's yeah. a surprise. You can't skip it. And it's like all of a sudden. Like, I could go right now and play Crazy Train if I felt like yeah. it. Yeah. All aboard. We got a guitar here. Can you play that? No, I can't. It's, I, I you do, can't play that? No, I mean, that's uh, kind of that's a good talking point to maybe get in on my my guitar work. is uh, It's very uh, very unorthodox. Even in Nashville, I, I showed up, and it uh, everybody in town really is kind of plays in the same format. And the way I grew up learning guitar is I never thought I could sing just because I have a real deep voice and you know, a guitar in a standard tuning set in which majority of songs are in, um, anything on the radio, song that's in standard tuning. And it's usually like a G and a C and a D. You know what I yeah, mean? That's I, I got no idea. Yeah, yeah. So I never grew up like that because I was like, man, I can't sing like that. So I just detune these strings all kinds of weird ways. And not really like that's not common. I mean, some tuning's uncommon, but what I was doing, you know, uh, people in town still – I'll work with some great people and be like, what are you even playing? You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> even in, that's what in standards, like, I don't know what I'm doing even in standard tuning. And you take that into, you know, detuning the guitar, you know, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you don't know anything, everything's, you know, at your access. But you got to spend years, find, you know, oh, that didn't sound good. Where do I go next? You know what I mean? Not yeah. too many people want to do that. You know, the Leonard Skinner quote from one of the dudes of Leonard Skinner. Was uh, learn to play your guitar, then get sexy. Yeah, yeah. You just skipped right to the sexy. I I, I don't know about all that, but uh, we we try. We try. <laughs> oh, you know who can sing like a little bird? Is Chester the molester? Oh yeah, he's uh he's I've seen him evolve over the past few months playing guitar and singing. And he's getting good. He he did, this buddy bar just got married, so Chester yeah. Chester. Chester Floyd. Yeah. I save him in my phone as Chester the Molester because my kids, uh, they don't know what a molester is, but they laugh when my truck says Chester the Molester when I tell them to call him. But uh, uh, he got, we were fishing the other night and he was explaining this whole story where he learned how to play a song. 
someone else's song, mm-hmm. a Tyler Childers song to get up and like serenade his wife at his wedding. A yeah, couple, at a couple weeks. It was ago. a it was a good performance. Well, he ran. The problem is everybody thinks that he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't clarify or they weren't listening. Oh. So people are like, he was talking about how people are crying and like, I can't believe you wrote that beautiful song for your wife. Oh, man. So now he's running around. And then even after the fact, my wife was talking to someone who's talking about this beautiful song Jester wrote. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he needs to do a better job in the future. Uh, so... Y- uh, you moved out. You lived here for a while. Yeah, that's what... Uh, you came out here to be a yeah, fishing guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what... Uh, I kind of have two phases. I kind of was telling Buddy last night, you know, around a couple beers. Just I feel like I've had two phases in my life of just uh, fishing and guitar, you know, and I feel like both are uh, very meditative uh, activities or hobbies that I turn into disciplines in a sense, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you call it that, but... Uh, yeah, I grew up with my dad just going camping and fishing uh, for stock trout up in North Carolina on the Davidson and Mills River and just grew up catching those. Stock and, trout, like, if you catch it, you know oh, you he, put was, it, you he was not born in the river. You put you probably put it in. You know, we'd go help the DNR people, you know, dump buckets of just hogs in the, in the river. And then, you know, I think Seth, I think Seth didn't used to do something quite similar to that. Yeah, I used to help uh, the fish commission stock them, and then I'd go back and yeah. fish the yep. holes where yep. we threw the big ones. Yep. And that last, uh, those fish last about a day back Jerry, home. That, I'm a catch and no. release guy, but uh, n- nobody else is in South Carolina, it seems like. <laughs> so you'd go catch the stockers yeah. and let them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then homie c- would come down the river and just take it back. You know, we'd have people, all kinds of people, cast net in the river. You just walk up and be like, man, come on, man. You know, cast net and stock yeah, trout. Yeah, even in a delayed harvest, it's like, get out of here. My dad pulled a gun on somebody one day because he was doing that, just worked him up. Just, Probably shouldn't have said worked that. Worked him up like pistol whipped him? <laughs> no, no, no. I just worked him up just because we always, uh, I don't know, just. Oh, so your dad's down there with a pistol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, doing yeah, a little fishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Statute of limitations yeah. is good. And this guy and he, just he got a cast, a cast net. Or... Yeah, and then uh, he's got this cooler full of fish. And he's like, you know, what are you doing, man? Kind of, you know, he, uh, long story short, he took that cooler fish, dumped it back in the river. He's like, I'm calling DNR right now. Just because just back home we have one good little place we can fish. And everybody just messes it up. It seems like. So tell me the pistol pulling story, though. So uh, uh, like, okay, so there you are. Yeah, he's he's like, oh yeah, because the guy thought he was a police, and you know, he he obviously wasn't. So, um, but hold on, hold on, I'm trying to get like. I mean, he did it. There like, you are he didn't pull it on and him he, like this, but I mean, he, he was brandished like, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that's what you would call it. <laughs> and then the guy dumped the fish out. Yeah, he he took off. Him huh. and him and two other people. Yeah, you know, and then uh, it took about an hour for game warden to get there, and then they found him on down the river. So it's not it's still. not legal to fish that way. No, not, a cast a, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Not For stocker at all. trout. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, a can, general rule. I don't know there. Like a general American rule of thumb is that this is a generalization. You generally dasn't be cast netting in fresh water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially Probably in a stream about as big exceptions. as this right. table. You Bait know what I mean? Fish. Yeah. But yeah, that's what uh, I grew up fishing. Kind of streams, you know, no bigger than this room, and I thought they was, you know, you could. That was the the big water, and then I came out here and realized those are just little little creeks back home. But uh, yeah, I uh, graduated high school in 2015, and I was 17 at the time, and just moved out here. I uh, didn't know anybody, and uh, first week I was here, you know, just started fishing, fished my way out of school pretty much two years. So you enrolled in school? Yeah, but uh, but Montana State flunked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, just couldn't pass math at all. Huh. So I was like, man, might as well be getting some enjoyment out of being here 
So then you, you took off. Yeah, yeah, on the river. Yeah, I was here for two years and got two years worth of good fishing in. And uh, yeah, man, just loved it. It was a good place for a 17-year-old to come figure it out and, you know, not get in trouble. I feel like there's, uh, I don't know, there's like three cops in town comp compared to everywhere else back home. So it's a good place for a kid not to get in trouble in a sense. You, you feel there's a low cop per criminal oh, ratio oh, out yeah. here oh yeah i don't know about a criminal ratio but definitely definitely i feel like oh just low cops yeah maybe yeah, not yeah, a lot yeah, of. yeah yeah you can be walking down the road back that's then. an interesting perspective i yeah. never like i'll tell you well i do kind of notice that a little bit because i think that uh new mexico the 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 depth and variety of law enforcement agencies that maintain a presence in new mexico is staggering like in a in a they have a heavy presence I'm just every law everything imaginable yeah yeah, because they got a border patrol down oh, there. Here. Just like every other car. Yeah. You know? I don't know if I can make it down there. So you break <laughs> a lot of laws. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it elegantly. But you're not a violator. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not a game yeah. violator. No, not a no, not at all. I just, you know, not anything in the hunting and fishing world breaking laws at all. No, that's good. That's good. Um the hell is I going to ask you about? You then you left because you had a girlfriend somewhere. Yeah, so I uh, I had like a uh, a girlfriend back home and uh, pretty much uh, like you left her to come yeah, here. Yeah, left her to come here, and then things got kind of. Did tough. she think of it that way? Uh, yeah, but that was even before we met. It was one of those things. Uh, it was always my dream to come out here, and so when I left, it was kind of like eating my dream in my face coming back. And I got back and I was like, "What did I just do?" You know what I mean? And so I uh, enrolled. After I was here at Montana State, I pretty much sold my Clackercraft and went back home. And uh, the Clackercraft got those seven songs right there. And, uh, and oh, you wrote these songs on this in that yeah, Clacker? that uh, the the sold the Clackercraft and that paid for that. So oh. my parents didn't even know I sang until I got back after uh, after college and uh, pretty much spiraled into this this project, Jericho Rose, that tune. Is, uh, it's about Montana and my experience leaving. Uh, I was in, it's kind of all, it all works out in a sense. Uh, I enrolled at a community college back home after I came back and had to take, I mean, this tells you how far along I was in school, had to take Art 101 my third year, you know what I mean? I, yep. Most people ain't be doing You're that. running behind. Yeah, running behind. And uh, it was all for a reason, though, because I learned about this thing one day called the Rose of Jericho. And I was like, man, that, that kind of perked my ears. I don't know up. what that is. It's a, it's a, um, it's got all these superstitions. I know, but like the road to Jericho, right? Yeah, That's, yeah. But yeah. this is like, uh, isn't the, that where uh, was Saul? Who was on their way to Jericho when he got uh, blinded? I'm not sure. In the Bible, I'm not sure. Is that Jericho? Someone type that up. I can't because I'm sure. talking. Room full of pagans. <laughs> Listen, there's a guy in the Bible who is uh, not cool. And they blind him. Hmm. Changes his ways. Wasn't he heading to Jericho? Come on, Seth. Really? You don't know Seth? No. I should know. My grandmother would be uh, upset with me. I'm going to lay some Bible learning on you guys. Yeah. You, you take you stop talking about this for a minute while I lay some Bible learning yeah, on yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Check this out. We've been talking a lot about this... Uh, this thing called the ass movement, anti-surface shitting movement, okay. getting people to stop going, relieving themselves out uh, in, in the it out in the woods mm -hmm. and along trails and at trailheads and whatnot, just mm -hmm. to generally reduce the, now that the whole world has a dog, it's bad enough with dogs. Then you add all the people stuff in there, mm -hmm. all the people excrement. Um, 
This guy sends a thing in Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy, mm. 2312 to 14. This is in the Bible. Yeah. You shall have a place outside the camp, and you shall go out to it, and you shall have a trowel with you. Sit down outside. You shall dig a hole with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God moves around your camp by night. Mm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was like, there's Powerful. no way that's true. Yeah. There's no way that's true. And so then I did some searching, and it is true. And I'll tell you, here's another. I was like, is that really true? So I looked up, and here's another translation. Same thing, Deuteronomy. This is from the New International Version. Deuteronomy 23, 12 to 14. Designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. As part of your equipment, have something to dig with. And when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy so that he not see among you anything indecent and turn away from you. Hmm. That's a fact. Dude, I bet the dude, from the founder of the ass movement, doesn't even know about that. Yeah, I never heard all. about that. I have, was I'm, he headed to Jericho? Saul? And he changed, after uh, this happened, he changed his name to Paul. You guys I, don't know this? I haven't gotten yeah, that I feel far. like it is The him. road to Jericho, I looked it up. It's Right <laughs> here it says Jesus, uh, when he was passing through Jericho, um, uh, he cured two blind men. No. Yeah, and the road to Jericho was like this very dangerous road that was beset by robbers. And is that your own word, beset? Yep, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it was just like a dangerous road, and it had something to do with the Samaritans and the Jews. And I didn't see anything about Saul or Paul. Yeah, I'm not seeing Saul. No, right, never mind. But yeah, the, anyways, uh, the, you found out about the rose yeah, of Jericho. Yeah. So what it's got that, all these. Uh, it's pretty much this desert desert plant. Oh, and, okay, uh, yeah, I, and okay. It's got all I, these, I thought you meant like, yeah. uh, like why the word Jericho in there, but the desert plant. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it's got all these superstitions, and uh, for me, my writing process really started. Uh, I'm not. I don't do it. Uh, I'm. I always grew up. I could barely read in front of the class. Always a real shy guy, you know, um, and. Pretty much uh, the way I came into music was natural. It's therapy and, uh, you know, hard times kind of, that's what comes out. And uh, that perked my ears up when I hear hear anything interesting like that. And that was the first kind of, you know, real phrase or, you know, just that play on, uh, just language, you know, that, I don't know, perks the hair in your ears up, you know what I mean? And yep. so I started reading into it. And, you know, if you put water on this plant, it comes back to life. And it's got all these like superstitions. And I was like, well, that's kind of like my uh, experience, you know, out in Montana. If you read the lyrics, it's uh, it's pretty much a poetry about you know having a second chance in a way, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, are you gonna sing that one later or a different one? I, I, uh, I'm gonna sing y'all some new stuff. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to sing us a yeah, brand. The whole world, new song. Uh, anything that the world's ever heard has literally been the first songs. That, anything that's out is the first songs I wrote, and since then, um. You know, I've got over 80 songs I've written in the last two years. and uh, You still fish? Oh, uh, oh yeah. That's what the dream is, to do this to where we can fish, you know, all the time. Are you regarded as like a song factory? That sounds like um, a lot of music at this in point, two years. At this point, I can't pick up a guitar and just play it. It's always, you know, uh, you know, because I hear things and like words just come out in a way. Um, and especially it's like building a muscle. Um, 
I don't know. I become obsessed with it. it. Keeps me up at night. But that's how you get get going. I mean, you know? do you have peers that are cranking out eighty songs for uh, forty a no, year? No, most people. What are you spitting I, into that cup there? Uh just a little bit of grizzly. If that's if that's if that's oh, all that's fine. <laughs> you, you chew grizzly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our friend Dirt Myth. Uh, he doesn't chew grizz. They eat it. He says no. <laughs> he says uh, no. I got a good job. He chews. Uh, what's he chew? Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah that was my original because I was a long cut guy for a long time. The Copenhagen was my favorite, but uh, they don't make good pouches, you know. And I can sound check with. A so pouch you got a pouch in there? Yeah, right yeah. Now. Let yeah. me see it right here. Let me right look there. Huh? But nobody ever knows. Just tucked in there. Huh? Yeah. Well, I know you got a yeah. cup yeah. and you're yeah. spitting into it. Yeah. You don't swallow it uh, occasionally. We had a guy right in. He works with. He's a deer researcher. I think he's in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and he said when he goes into that deer pen, you can't bring your dip in. What was that? He said they'll tear the pocket right off your jeans to That's, get that dip out. I mean, he need, they need to put that on a commercial. Why well, some more. He said if you put Levi Garrett in your back pocket, he said they'll rip your pants. Well, no it's, it's the molasses. Mm. Starts hanging Tell that you under what, your dude. tree stand. Mm. You make some like Primos product or something out of that. Yep. Mm. They'll be like little pellets ground People, up with uh, dip. Is it kind of frowned upon to be, uh, you know, in a, in a stand with that? You know, does that repel uh, anything? I, I don't know. What do you think, Yanni? Yeah. I mean, when Sounds I like when I used to chew it, I had no problem <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> being in the stand or in the field with it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's laying down that much scent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you'll end up catching uh, lip cancer? No. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to quit here soon. Oh, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You should get with dirt. You guys could just hang out and chew. Yeah, like, We should have called yeah. them up and had them come over. That's what I mean. These people got the e-cig bars, you know. I thought it was a weird idea. What if people just went somewhere and dipped, you know? Kind of like a dip bar. That, I was like, that's, a, <laughs> that's the way my mind works. I yeah, think you about, can have like a little spittoon like, out yeah, front with like water flowing 3 through. 3 a.m., most people are getting some good sleep. Yeah, like a like, cigar. Like I remember had, through a work thing, one of the worst things that ever happened to me was I had to go to a cigar bar or mm-hmm. a cigar. Like a, oh my God. I hate cigars. That, yeah. uh, that grizzly reminds me of that ransack cabin in Alaska because the only thing that wasn't tore apart was a couple cans of grizzly. Mm-hmm. And Buck was thrilled to see that grizzly. Sitting there, I'll tell you another interesting thing about that rant. We got, we were in, a, we slept in a cabin that had been a bear had moved into it, and oh my god! I, oh, if you want to go look, go to Instagram. You'll see a video of this cabin at Stephen Ranella. You'll scroll back. I mean, this cabin got destroyed, yeah, by a bear. Um, and this bear would bite everything open. But what's funny is he didn't figure out. There's all these glass jars of salmon. And he bit all the canned goods. I don't know what it is. He bit like, if it was a can of green beans, he, he'd chew it open. The salmon, glass jars of salmon. Never touched him. Didn't figure out. Mm. Like, so I, it, it, it blows my mind. And he bit everything open. And the other thing laying on the ground amongst all this junk is a can of bear spray that he never sunk a tooth into. Mm. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that he's smelling... Through a can, I, I know it doesn't like make sense, cookies. man. I don't understand how they did what how that bear did what he did. Yeah, I don't know. Ate coffee. I've had an experience real close with a with a couple back home. Three a mom bear and two cubs, and you know it's you know real close to us. They got in. They sure do love some sugar cookies. Oh, I bet you like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. This bear was so good. He got into a bag of Halloween candy, like fun size candy bars. This son, of, you think he just eat the candy bar? I don't know. He must have taken his little claw. He would eat the candy bars and leave the empty wrappers. Yeah. Oh, man. However he managed to do that. 
Like little, it looked like a human being opened up all these candy bars and the wrappers are gone. Mm. Some stuff he got burned out on. Like he got into a bunch of dry pasta, but left some dry <laughs> pasta. By. After a while, yeah. he's like, I can't handle the dry pasta anymore. Yep. There's a couple little packets of Folgers uh, single like tea bags. Yep. And uh, Steve. Steve used those. Well, I chickened the- out in the end. Everybody's like, I can't believe you're going to drink that. Cause, I, mean, I this thought place, you did use it. No, because here's what happened. When I opened it up, they had been corrupted and they had been soaked inside. Oh. And then I, I was like, ah, who cares? And I was like, it was probably bear piss. I don't know. I didn't eat them. Oh, I thought no, that's. No, because Buck had some of that. He had some of that black that black rifle coffee black oh, powder. Yeah. Yeah, he had yeah. two of those in his pocket. Oh. I didn't tell anybody about that. I didn't know. I thought you were drinking that Folger stuff. No, so this is kind of funny because. Um, we're rafting down a river, and Buck's got a friend that's got a cabin, and, and uh, we're going to go up there. So we don't bring any – Buck's like, well, instead of carrying stuff up there, we're going to hike up to this cabin. Instead of carrying stuff up there, I'll replace. There's food there, and then I'll make sure to replace anything that's there. And then I remember Seth being like, man, I don't know. I feel like we should bring some food. <laughs> and I remember shooting him down, being like, no, nah, man. Yeah. We got a whole plan, you know? And we get up there, and it's like, ah! Yeah. Like nothing. Nothing. Mm. No coffee. Yeah, no dinner, no breakfast. Nothing. This place was ransacked. That's the worst mindset, though, thinking you're going to replace. That's like, uh, I don't know, you don't replace stuff when you're hungover. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, what do you think of this right here? Uh, that's what I saw this morning. So we had a guest on, Bob Reed, who's a Burmese python expert, and got talking about snake oil. And we were talking about how you know, people say a snake oil salesman. Well, it's longer than that. I was talking about how these guys we met in South America were saying that you can take the oil from, what was that snake down there? The anacondas, right? Green anaconda? Or, I don't it? know. Was this a trip that I was on? I don't remember this. This wasn't your first time down yeah. there with Mo, it maybe? It was. The anaconda. Like 13, 16, 18 mm. foot snakes. Mm. Jeez. And the dude told me two interesting things. He said, we, we walked up to one, and he, he, he was explaining to me, like, what I would call a superstition, what he would call just the truth. Mm-hmm. He was saying, if I touch that snake with my bow, just touch it. You can touch it with a regular stick. But if I were to touch that snake with my bow, it would die a very painful death. And I said, like, how long? And he said, 45 minutes, just from contacting it with a human bow. And I said, what do you, why would you do that? What do you use it for? And he said that we use it to the fat, the oil rendered from the snake to treat arthritis. Hmm. I then explained this to this Burmese python expert, and he made me realize something I hadn't put together, is that when you say, like, someone's a snake oil salesman, ah. Because he said people used to attribute snake grease, snake fat, with all these uh, as having great like naturopathic or homeopathic Mm -hmm. qualities. That essential oil salesman. So then he just brought us a quart. You know, he didn't have the lid on tight, which is weird. Because I don't view this stuff as appetizing. I had to tighten the lid down. I thought it was like some new kombucha or something. He turned it around and said snake oil. That is a quart jar of Burmese python oil. I have a label maker, and I made that label for display. Yeah. I like the no shit part. My label says, snake oil. No shit. This is oil from a python. Mm. That's what uh, I was watching. Uh, 
episode on on Netflix the other night of when you was down with these guys that were they were using their hand to cast in the river. And I was like, he's definitely seeing some snakes in that area. Did you see any that's on that trip? Yeah, yeah, area, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's that area where I saw these. Really, the 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 an- yeah. not these the anacondas. Yeah. yeah. Um, would any of you guys eat that? I like I I, I find that oil almost repulsive. Is that? Re- I don't. I don't like snakes. I mean, not that I don't like snakes. I'm just not like a big snake guy. He's that, that's rendered fat, though, right? It's rendered fat. I'll pass it around. Do you smell? He it? also brought me. Did some he s- use it? Well, or did he did do you, this did, just for you? Does he like often make? He already had it. He already had it. Just brought me some of his stash. Did you see that? Did I put on your desk some? Yeah, prickly pear uh, syrup? syrup. Same guy. Oh, I like I, that. I put that on my oatmeal this morning. Did you? Did I bring you some choke cherry? Uh, yeah, jam. Same guy. Did I bring you some of that honey? No, it's on your desk. Thank you. Different guy. Thought it was some moonshine. I was like, man, that's a little early for no. Some but moonshine. what I was saying is, it's so unappetizing <laughs> to me that I wouldn't be able to like fry up an egg in that oil. Oh. Yeah, that's unappetizing to me too. <clears throat> I definitely would give it a go. Yeah, I'd do a little teaspoon of that. Did you guys just to say next time you're on the podcast? Guess what? I had a couple over mediums and python <laughs> oil this morning. <laughs> it looks like he could have filtered it a little better. There's some solids down on the bottom. Yeah, I don't know. I got to talk to him oh, about yeah. it. I don't want to call him and criticize him. <laughs> Be like, hey, man, thanks a lot. But, you know, next time. Next time you make, <laughs> next time you make me some snake oil that I'll not use. Put the lid on top. <laughs> yeah, put the lid on. And, and Brody's got some tips yeah, for that's you. Funny. Brody's got I, some tips I, for you as well. I recently I recently got some, uh, some oil from a good buddy of mine. And uh, I had some criticism about it. But I was like, you know what? not gonna say anything because it's hard to yeah it's hard to got a nice big batch of it which buddy uh, might be a buddy sitting next to me <laughs> if you do do it <laughs> if you do do it what you do is um you know about a compliment sandwich have we covered this we have but it'll give it to me again a compliment when you got it when you get you're in a when you need just need to like give someone some feedback mm. that they're not gonna be receptive to you compliment them yeah start positive so you'd say uh my God, bro, do you look good today, right? Yeah, and then, well, um, thank you. Have, you. have you been working out? As a then, matter of fact. Well, can you tell me what the basic, so I, so I can do it, can you tell me the basic problem? Well, the oil, <laughs> uh, instead of being snow white, bear grease, it's mm-hmm. got just a little touch of color to it and it has a little touch of flavor to it. Like it might have, like, the cracklings might have been cooked a little bit too long in it, you know? Gotcha. So you It's not say, off-putting, Mm. But it's not like that super clean. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you'd say, uh, my God, Brody, do you look good today? I feel like you uh, kind of screwed that barrel up by <laughs> overcooking the cracklings. Well, thanks for the compliment. And you say, uh, then and you go like, the my advice. God, your kids are nice. That's a compliment sandwich. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Three completely unrelated I'm willing topics. to take the constructive criticism. It's not like I, I've got a lifetime of experience rendering bear fat, you know. Uh, quick news item. I, I saw that, like, I hesitate to do this, to mention this news story in the news, because it's a type of news that I generally hate. And it's like, you know, news agencies that, that, do news, the point of the news being that the the reader will be annoyed and have the response of like, what's the world coming to? Right? I know like, that news. Yeah, like just 
how like this has gone too far a war on christmas you know what i mean like like that kind of news you know what i mean this is one of those news stories a boy so now that but like now that kids are at home like so many kids are at home for school right and you're doing zoom so a little boy in louisiana is at home in his bedroom and there's a picture of the cutest little kid I in the world. Where you're going. He's got his shirt, but he's got like a dress shirt buttoned up to the top button, like cutest kid on the planet. Um, nine years old, but in his room is his BB gun, and he gets suspended. I saw that. What suspended from Zoom? Suspended from school because in his room is a BB yeah. gun, and he can't have guns at school. So, <laughs> dude, wait, seriously? He's he's not actually he's. Going to class he's through, in his, he's through in, Zoom. He's in his bedroom. The story is like, like I gather that this is not a problem. I think this problem is going to go away for this boy very quickly, but that was the initial repercussion. They suspended it. They won't allow him to. <laughs> he got kicked out of school to, for having his Zoom BB call. gun in his bedroom during his online learning. Hmm. What is this world coming to? <laughs> this will not stand. No red riders in class. <laughs> Next, it'll be a war on Christmas. So, yeah. That, that, uh, another thing is, this is the last, I swear, this is the last time I'm going to bring this up. But the plot does thicken around squirrels biting nuts off other squirrels. Uh-oh. Ooh. We got a thing. Listen, a vet in Australia wrote in to say that he, <laughs> this is not squirrels. It's not America. But he does find that male rabbits will get in fights and it can result in testicular injuries from biting to the other rabbit. The plot thickens. So Spencer's going to have to do some more research. Dig into that one. Now, here's another thing. It's not news, but it's, I just thought this was fascinating. I was reading about the other day. I've been reading. I don't know why I haven't read this. Like, like Osborne Russell's journal. Have you guys read Osborne Russell's journal? It's kind of like the most one of the most important historical texts about like the mountain men and the beaver trappers. You read it? No, dude. I've been reading reference. I don't. I can't. Like, I feel like such an idiot for having not like actually read his journal. It is unbelievable. One, the amount of shootouts those guys get into, and two, the back and forth and up and down. Um. Hiking, you mean? Just, no, riding. Traveling. Just, uh, they're in Salt Lake. They're in the headwaters of the Snake. They're on the lower Yellowstone. Before we go they're too far. Who, up on like, Missouri. It's like, who, like, give a quick synopsis. Who's Osborne Russell? Osborne Russell's a, just a dude who signs on with a fur company, doesn't know shit, um, heads out west to trap beavers and keeps a meticulous journal of where they go and what they do. Oh, is, I, I think in, you've talked in the about 1830s. him. He's the guy that just details everything that happens all, every day for... No, that's a different dude oh, okay. 30 years later okay. on the muscle shell. That was called Life and Death of the Mouth and all Muscle right. Shell. Osborne Russell's journal is like, it's just his journal. Did he hang out with uh, some of the big names? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He travels with Bridger. Yeah. So he's in Jim Bridger's camp. Writes about that all the time. He didn't realize, he didn't like have a way to think that Jim Bridger was whatever. Right. But he's in, he's traveling with Bridger. So you got like a big crew of trappers and this main camp moves. And as the main camp moves, they kind of pick like, okay, we're going to work this river and then go over the pass and work that river. And the main camp moves. And in there are camp tenders and fur dressers, guys that skin and flesh and whatnot. And they just fan And then you got out. these little bands of trappers. 
And so the bands of trappers go off and do a loop and come down and find the main camp and check in and then do a loop and find the main camp and check in. Always getting in skirmishes, shooting tons of bighorn sheep. Like they eat more bighorns. The places they run into bighorns, you know, talk about seeing a thousand bighorns on the hill. Just eating bighorns. So many bighorns that they're in one valley and it's hard to get through the winters, not enough food. So they decide to move camp. Where the whole camp can just live on bighorns. Wow. <laughs> Not, yeah. There was a tribe named the Sheep Eaters, wasn't there? He talks about those guys, too. He meets some in what's now Yellowstone. And he describes how they had no horse. They had had a horse once that they got from some other trappers, and the horse died. They had a bunch of panther hides, which he found interesting. They made most of their clothes out of sheep. They didn't use flint and steel. They used bow drills. To start fire. They had trapped all, they said they killed all the beavers in the area, but didn't realize that the furs were valuable and just ate the meat and wished they had saved them so they could sell the fur. And their bows were made out of elk horn and sheep horn, and they were three feet long. And he took, like, Osborne Russell, like, really likes these dudes. And they, he said they would travel in small family groups and not, like, relate to other. Does he go into detail about how the the horn was in the? He doesn't describe how they made it. Or? No, he doesn't describe it. But he's like very impressed with these guys. So were they? Would it be fair to say they were like not quite as advanced as some of the other tribes that were, or they were just kind of living in a? You know what I'm saying? He likes like, them better. He likes them a lot. Like I shouldn't say likes them better. Was just very impressed with the ingenuity. Probably what he was what he what seems to impress him most is by the time he's out there, there had already been a lot of trade going on. So horses, everybody had horse. Like most of the tribes he's encountering and traveling, you know, they're, they're like yeah. very friendly with the crow. They travel with the crow. Most of the tribes he's traveling with have horses, have firearms, have flint and steel, they have steel them. cookware. And so if you look at like what he's saying about them, like the things he's like, oh, and they this, and they this, and they this, it's mostly like he's talking about the way everybody would have been. Right. Simply 50 years earlier. Yeah, they hadn't adopted all that yeah. stuff yet. So he caught them. It could even be like, you could almost say that 30 years earlier, 30, 40 years earlier, everyone he would have. So he's just looking at some people that hadn't adopted. They were living like in the very high country, not associating down in the lower valleys. And they were like still living like all primitive goods. And he really dug it. Uh He's talking about, he spends a lot of time with the crow. And he says that when the, again, man, this is not from a crow person. This is from a white dude traveling with the crow, capturing like his understanding of what's going on. So I'm not telling you that this is like the truth. I'm just saying this is like crow culture as understood by a white trapper. He said when the, a crow village moves into a new moves camp and there's buffalo in the vicinity, you can't just go out and hunt. Like you can't just charge off and spook everything out. Like it's part of a concerted effort. And you have to get like council permission to begin hunting. If you break this rule, the first offense is your hunting equipment is destroyed. If you do it again in your life, your horses are killed your lodge is destroyed, and you're beaten. 
A third offense is death by shooting. We should have more game laws like that. Dude, they don't mess around. I saw it in Lewis and Clark. I read some of their journals. What is it? What's the relationship? Is this guy earlier uh, or after? You know, the, well after. Well after. Okay. Uh, just if you fell asleep on guard, how many like you know, fifty, sixty lashings? I'd be like, man, I ain't going out with y'all boys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. 
I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this SolarStream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. What's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. I know on this show I talked before about uh, when Stephenson, who spent a lot of time with, he's got this book, My Life with the Eskimo, and he spent a bunch of time with Inuit hunters in the high Arctic of Canada, and he describes how people, like hunters will have hunting partners. And they'll even be like a hunter and his hunting partner will be that that, that, uh, that they're a left side and right side. That, uh, that they're like the left side and right side of a unit. And when they get something, the left side of the thing goes to the left side. The right side of the thing goes to the right side. And that's how they distribute game amongst persons, hunting partner. And talking about the crow, Osborne Russell explains... Um, when they're doing like a collective style hunting, like, you know, riding a herd down and shooting into it. The first person who arrives at a dead Buffalo is entitled to one third of the meat. If the person who killed the Buffalo is the fourth one on the spot, he only gets the hide and tongue. There's no way that this person who killed it can get in any circumstance can get any more than one third of the meat. If a second and third person appears before it is placed on the horse for packing, meaning like you get one, if some if you if you don't get it on your horse by the time other people show up, then it's divided. They get thirds. So that's interesting. You know what? My, my buddy uh, one time went to this thing where they were testing out how effective beer commercials are, and you get a dial. And as you're interested, you turn the dial up. And when you're not interested, you turn the dial down. I wish we should, I wish we had those. Like from for you for, for us. Because I can't tell if what I'm telling you is interesting or not. That was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, one last thing I want to talk with them. Dial's gotta, up. Then Yanni's got to do something. Uh, a guy. Uh, in addition to that snake oil, a guy sent me a tur- a turkey call made from a turtle shell. Hmm. Which is a famous old thing. I've seen those. It's got the resonance. Sound good? Dude, it's so cool. It's a red-ear slider shell. And then it's got slate glued like to the bottom carapace. I want to see that. It's thing. super cool, man. What's the um, striker look like? He made it. It's got a bone top and a... And I don't know what kind of... He told me what kind of wood, but I can't remember what kind of wood he put on there. But it sounds good? It's so cool, yeah. I was shocked. Got it's a so guitar cool. pick made out of uh, it's uh, it's illegal to have now, but uh, that's one of the laws. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not, not me. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be. That's a <laughs> pass down because they're it's like a hundred dollar guitar pick, and I lose guitar picks every day. You made know out of what? Uh, turtle shell, you know. And uh, oh, yeah. So can I you make just, a guitar pick out of a tarpon scale? I don't know, but uh, that'd be cool. That seems like uh, make a good guitar pick. Guy from Brian May from Queen, he uses quarters or uh, what's the equivalent? These old something I don't know uh, quarters for playing i found that out the other day and i was like man that's wild so he every time they're on tour their his uh guitar tech just goes and gets a sack of 
these old quarters he uses and quarters, twenty five cent pieces. Yeah, huh. yeah. Um, so Yanni's got to do uh, Yanni's got to do a book report about something. Mm-hmm. Brody will probably be able to add to this as much time as he spent. This is where Ted, you, Ted, you got because Yanni, uh, this is his second report mm-hmm. he's given us. Can you can you make a a ditty? A ditty? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. goes um. Yanni's book reports about videos and articles or something like that. Yanni's book reports. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I can try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you do? It'd be uh, like a jingle. Yeah. Yeah, what would yeah. you, like, imagine it's a show. Yeah. And there's a segment, you know, and there's a song to precede the segment. So you're kicking off Yanni's book report, which is like a segment on the show. Mm, I'm trying to think how I could do that. Yanni's book report. Man, I, I I can't even sing "Happy Birthday," man. <laughs> I'm just not good with little jingles like that. You, you know can't just I mean? do a quick jingle. I mean, I can try. Yeah, 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 yeah do it. I'll yeah, grab yeah, that yeah, damn yeah, guitar yeah, and yeah. do it. You gotta put your dip down. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get your chunk of turtle shell out. Oh, the scale on a turtle shell. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's illegal to have. Maybe certain turtles. Hey, they don't care what you, if you catch a snapping turtle. They don't care if you pick a guitar with the scale. So Yanni's book report. Yanni's book reports. No, it's like Yanni's book reports about articles and videos. So say that or just play just play something. However you want to do it. (laughs) I would sing it and play to it, and it would be like something to the effect of like, it's time for or you know, uh, what do you what do you think, Yanni? Like it's time for Yanni's Yeah. Phil, you got anything? It's time for kids gather around. Yeah, gather around. It's time for Yanni's. (laughs) Yeah. You remember book reports from school? They were boring and sucked, but this is different. Johnny's book report about a video. <laughs> I don't know if I can work with that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. Wish Chester Molester is here. He'd act like he'd, he'd take someone else's idea and act like he did it himself. Let's see here. Well, you got to put that thing on there. I'm just going to try to give a little. You know what flavor. that's called? Uh, it's called a capo. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how to make something jingly. I, that's the kind of the way I play is like, I don't know, real deep. I'm trying to think of a way to make it. Well, to make it deep. Yeah. Yanni's book report. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. That already sounds good. <laughs> yeah, now just put some lyrics into it. Yeah, the goal that Yanni's, Yanni's book report. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just hit him with that. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Now do a clean one. All right, ready? Okay, so we're gonna Yanni's, we're gonna do Yanni's segment. One, two, three. Yanni's book report. Oh, <laughs> hit him with the soft spoken. Yeah, this better be really good, Yanni. <laughs> Is that all right be. for you? I, I try, man. That's what I'm bad with. Is people, oh, no, that was perfect because I was trying to take it down a whole other avenue, man. It was a lot worse than that. I get people all the time that's like, can you uh, play Happy Birthday? And it's like, man, I don't know. You know, I, like, I ain't good with that. You know what I mean? You know that John Prine, John Prine's live album? Uh, which uh, I hadn't he's heard. He's got one. Where he's like, he says, I learned those three chords when I was 14. And I guess I just never decided to learn any more of them. <laughs> yeah. That's what they always say is nobody knows what key the happy birthday is in. It's always different every time, no matter how you get around. Because mm-hmm. nobody knows how to usually sing You know that guy still collects royalties off that song? You can't, like, put that song in a movie. Really? No. Wow. 
No. It's a covered song, That's man. Wild. It's a covered song. Get a license, <laughs> that some bitching song. Really? Mm. Go ahead, Yanni. That's interesting. Yeah. Might I, not be true. I gotta say, this is an interesting. <laughs> I'm little, pretty sure it's true. I, I think it went. It went like. F- What's what's the term for it when something like loses its copyright? That, that happened. It. It, happened, it happened like four or five years ago. But like up Told until you it then, wasn't true. up until then, it was. I just true, said though. it might not be true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, so so you can now public domain. That's what I'm trying. Happy to think birthday of. is now public. It's domain. now public domain. <sighs> God, we can breathe easy. You can play that at your next show and not have to worry. You can put it on your next album even and not have to worry I'm about. I might put that little Yanni segment in the album. <laughs> 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 I'm just <laughs> people are going to be waiting now. Every episode, they're going to wait to hear those chords. Oh yeah. Did you get a good recording of that so we can use it I can later? get you a better one, too. Can we, license, that, can we license that yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, y'all can have it, man. I'll, I'll get you a better one when I have time. I'm just not, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm going to do you justice. <laughs> um, what was the last one that I did? You did a book report on that. Um, it was a Lynx or a Bobcat that went a long ways away. Oh, yeah, there was that one. But you're, I think you're incorrect with saying it's only my, only my second one because I did one about that girl that, had, that they found the gum. Remember there was like, there was a, the preserved chewing oh. gum. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. That. With Jesse Griffiths, and Jesse yeah. Griffiths was saying he wanted to marry that girl. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, they found the remains. Oh, that's right. That was in Texas. We did. Yeah, that. they found. Yeah, and she had eaten hazelnuts and mallard duck. Yeah, yeah. From nine uh, thousand years ago. Those articles were a lot longer. This article here. It's a video. Might be literally. You three, watched the video, right? Three hundred right? words. Yeah, did you watch the video? No, I sent it to you to watch. Yeah, well, CPW, I like what you guys are doing. This is all great, but um, and I'm sure a lot of uh, state wildlife agencies struggle with this, but uh, whoever put the media together for this, they were in love with this one GoPro shot that they have with the underside of the plane. Is this going to turn into a compliment sandwich? Because if it is, you didn't start. <laughs> you didn't start. You got it backward. No. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna knock them down first, then I'll build them build them up. But uh, yeah, it was like a nine minute video, and uh, I think they could have gotten the point across in two or three. Jeez, man, just comes out just swinging. Yeah, <laughs> the producer. And That's what happens out. in this job, man. Yeah. You have a real hard time watching stuff and not looking at it, um, you know, with that sort of eye. Yeah, no hardcore producing. You feel the same way. There's a lot of stuff you don't. Oh yeah, watch but I would have said like, man, those guys are handsome. <laughs> <laughs> in that video, and their kids are really nice. Kids are that at the kids end. are great. Look, you know, but, uh, you they know, really milked it. <laughs> I spent a big decade uh, hunting and fishing in Colorado, and I have a lot of respect and feel that the CPW does a great job managing their wildlife resources over there. They take it serious. Yeah, and. Well, that's another can of worms. We won't open that up. <laughs> um, I'm all right. So, now. video shows you guys want to know what this GoPro shot is. It's uh, it's the camera's mounted on like the strut of the plane, pointed towards the tail end, and like halfway between the strut, um, and the uh, rear wheel that's attached to the, to the very back end of the of the uh, the tail of the plane. There is what looks to be like a uh, it's basically just a shoot. And out coming from the shoot is like a, at this point, it looks just like a ball of vapor, which used to be water before the shoot was opened. And inside of it, you can see, looks like little black specks, but what they are is inch and a half long trout that are falling out of an airplane. This, folks, is how Colorado CPW stocks their high country lakes, is by airplane. Yeah. Blows my mind. 
It is wild. That's oh, weird. you had never heard this. I'd heard of it, but I, I, you know, like sometimes you hear stuff without really thinking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, whatever. Like I, I accept it. Sure. But I hadn't like actually thought like, well, what am I accepting? Mm-hmm. What it, what it, what goes into it? Me, no, meaning that they would land and be like, oh, cool, I'm alive in this yeah. lake. It just like watching that video. I'm like, how in the world are they not just dead or dead? I know. Yeah, well, they do a good job of explaining why they're not dead or dead, which is that they're only an inch and a half long, so they don't have a lot of mass to them. They get down to, they'd like to be at 100 feet. I think they said the space is 100 to 150 feet off the surface of the water when they drop them. And because they're so little, there's just a lot of, you know, air resistance, and they're not like, they're not plummeting like a, you know, an object with more mass. Oh, yeah, you could kill somebody with with a five-pound trout. Yeah, Maybe these, not from 100 these feet. Things sure. are, well, the, and the five-pound trout would also hit the water and probably explode, <laughs> just like you yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these suckers, yeah. They, they, and, they, yeah talk about how they measure them out. Is that in your report? Uh, you mean about how they just, how, how it's like they know per milliliter how well, they many got like fish? A, like a bucket, like a measuring cup. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they yeah. haven't figured out. They know by a volume measurement, how many fish yeah. are, are in there. So they know that whatever it is, there's 300 inch and a half trout in a quart of, of inch and a half trout mass, right? So that I got, they're counting them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, uh, they go and get the uh, row from high country lakes. So it's not like they're like, make, like putting in a non-native fish, right? They go and get row from fish that are natives to Colorado, bring that down to a hatchery, raise them up till they're inch and a half long, and then basically transport those back up to these high country lakes. But they're putting them in some lakes that never had trout. That may, I, I didn't catch that in this article or the video, but I'm, I, I think I'm they sure, do. I think yeah. they do stock some lakes that never had a trout population. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. And because they're saying that they think too that because the head has a little more mass is heavier than the rest of the body, that they actually probably eventually end up pointed straight down and they enter the water that way as opposed to landing flat on their sides. Huh. Did they get into what um, Mitch Petrie sent us this? Mm-hmm. Did they get into what uh, survival rate? Did not. Did not catch that. But they said it, it's very, very efficient compared to what it would take otherwise to stock these high country lakes, which would basically be by having to pack either on horseback or human back. Because a lot of this is wilderness, you know, so there's no roads going up there. So you'd have to pack, you know, aerated containers of mm-hmm. water, um, which is takes a lot. Yeah, I've see, actually seen videos of them packing trout in on horseback. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you remember Mike Rule? But mm-hmm. he was telling us something about, like, can they airdrop trout into a wilderness area? I feel like you can't. Because remember Mike no, Rule was No, but that was about, a helicopter thing, and they couldn't land the helicopter. They do the helicopter thing back home where I'm from on the Chattooga, uh, where Deliverance was actually filmed, uh, the helicopter man. To stock trout. Yep, yep. Because Mike Rule's talking about. But that was the whole thing. It was about the whole helicopter deal. Landing helicopters in wilderness mm-hmm. area. You had to have a special permit. So you think you can airdrop a trout? I think so. I used to fish lakes, alpine lakes in Colorado and wilderness areas that for sure got stocked this way. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I just looked it up here. They stocked beavers in the Frank Church. 
Yeah, Cal's covered that, and we've talked about it, and that happened like a time in the fifties. Yeah, and one <laughs> See, of those none, beavers, of this, none of this surprises me after listen, after one of those beavers wound up being real successful. Oh, really? Yeah, sired like a whole population of beavers. They had the Idaho uh, uh, fishing game has a video of it on here. Yeah, I'd heard Cal talked about that. I'd heard about that. And they brought some in to reestablish populations in the Frank Church after guys like Osborne Russell killed them all. Yep. But um. But this trout thing is just a thing that's always going on. Like they'll go how many how many lakes they how many lakes do they do? Uh, three hundred and thirty lakes in Boulder, Grand, Jackson, and Larimer counties, which are all northern part of the state. Huh. Yeah, the Boulder County ones. I'm sure I've fished some of those in the Indian Peaks wilderness, probably. Can you think of an outro? Yeah, I'm be stewing on one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would just probably do like a like a quicker ditty. Yeah, and then say, "Um, that was that's all, folks. That's all, folks." Um, what was interesting, and they did a nice way of getting out of their little article here, is that they decided to add in that it, that from when they're in an inch and a half long, it takes them two years to become ten inches long. Which is hmm. which is the minimum size limit to keep a trout in the state of Colorado. So don't go rushing out there right now, folks. You can't. It's not like back in the in the Carolina yeah. that Taylor was just talking yeah. about. There's not much to catch there right now. But uh, in two, two years, two have... years is an inch and a half to ten inches. Mm-hmm. I would never guess that. I think it's because lakes are so. St- a lot of them are sterile. They just grow there, and they have a, such a short growing season. They're ice. No, over. I would say that it'd take them five years. Oh. oh, up in those sterile ass cold ass. Yeah, lakes. I do remember reading something about that in the high. Uh, there's usually I've seen some some fly guys that get these real remote, you know, alpine lakes, and they're uh, catching smaller trout, and it's like mm-hmm. you know catching a bonefish. Some of those lakes mean? are covered yeah. in ice nine yeah, months yeah. a year. Yeah. you know. Yeah, and I think they periodically winter kill, which is why they stock them this way. Like every few years, mm. they'll restock a lake. Because they winter kill. That's why they do back home. They summer kill back home. It gets too hot. Uh, we just had our. Oh, you got the outro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you hit it real quick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Taylor, you are really playing ball. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm appreciate trying to do y'all appreciate some justice. It. You know what I mean. I would. Yeah. I would not go in a wildly different direction for the outro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like your manager. Oh. Go in a wilder direction or don't? Whatever whatever yeah. comes to your mind, whatever you think. Oh, my, my kids are having to do their first book report type, type, oh, yeah. type style stuff, but it's like PowerPoint now. Like they have to do slides and pictures and it's all. A book all, report like that? Yeah, it's not, hmm. like, not like the, the old same days. ones we had to do. But uh, we were talking the other day how you have to have an end, you know? And she's like, well, fine. I'm just going to write the end. <laughs> so there's that slide. Yeah. I, I think you can keep it simple. Keep it simple. All yeah. right. All right. When I, because what I'm hearing is like I'm either play something a little too, too, you know, uh, you, I, I'm hearing like when I'm hearing a little ditty is something like, you know, something funky. Y'all want something Oh, no, that sounds like a great yeah. outro. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. You pull that a little closer, Seth or Taylor. Okay, so he does his book report we gotta get about a video. Clean here, really, really important. Well, you gotta say something. Oh, forgot about that. What should I say? 
Seth, uh, Seth. Thank you, Yanni. That was Thank a great you, book man. report. All right, all right. Thank you, Yanni. You. <laughs> That's kind of like that free Pluto TV like news segment you saw in high school. That kind of, you know, that kind of. I don't like, remember that, but uh, yeah. All right, I got you. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh man, that puts a nice wrap on it, man. Man, if y'all are happy with that, I'm happy. No, that was great. That was great. Uh, we just had um, youth. Uh, like, there's a youth duck season. I think a lot of states do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Youth in, in in my home state of Michigan, youth deer season is such a thing that I was texting with a buddy of mine, Tim, back home, and he's sending me trail cam pictures of bucks. And he's he's not joking when he said this. He says, I hope these two make it through youth season. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I there's a lot of people that do, you know, that like hunt through their kids. Work it. They oh, work the yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. They're like all but like, that one, that one, yep. that one. Yep. That makes sense. You could picture it. Parents are like that with everything. Dude, with if their you kids. found a giant buck and you had youth deer season coming up, of course you can be like, "Now listen, junior." <laughs> See, I'm playing it's it on game on. <laughs> I'm playing it on setting low. The, like, I'd almost be like, "No, you can't shoot that buck." Oh, like, just to get him started out right. Yeah. Yeah. So Otherwise, we had youth duck, and I took my boy out to a friend of mine's property who has like a be- like a waterfowl property. He is a duck fanatic. And has like a sweet property for hunting ducks on. Maybe one of the sweetest ones in the country. I mean, probably <laughs> like one of the coolest duck things. It's a great spot. And he didn't, and what was kind of funny is I remember him saying like now and then they have like a little youth opener event or something. So I was like inquiring because he had said something like, oh, you know, when your kid gets old or whatever. I thought he said we had a youth opener event. I inquired with him about if that was a thing and he said well I won't even be in town but if you want to take your boy out there so no one's around and like the ducks haven't been shot at all year right it ain't even like regular season like no you don't hear any shots anywhere on youth duck opener and we put decoys out in the dark and we got there 15 minutes early and it was like legal light was 648 and he's just like like very interested in what time it was because some ducks start landing out in front of us and he, at this uh, point, he's no different than, you know, most folks we hunt with. Yeah. Very eager for it to turn the right time. And I'm like, just to kick him off, I allow him to, uh, <laughs> we have one right out in front of us. And I'm like, okay, you know, you can go ahead and, and, and Arkansas, it, you know, and he, and he like snakes the barrel out of the blind in Arkansas. This dog never even moves, you know? And then I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's that. Like you got one. Now it's, you're going to learn how to hit him out of the air, you know, and, and he just, this one duck's coming in and I'm like, okay, go, you know, but the ducks aren't that wise yet. They're not spooky yet. So he like drags it out long enough for basically the duck is like landed by the time he shoots <laughs> and gets that duck. Then a while later, one just comes in from behind us and before he can get on, it lands in the thing. And I said, okay, listen now, here's what you're going to do. Get ready. I want you to step out of this blind and go jump it yell hey or whatever and jump it and shoot it flying away and practice that only it doesn't want to jump no he just sneaks out there hey boom (laughs) 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 but then then i was getting a little irritated with him why because he's shooting sitting ducks well because i was saying yeah because it's like it's like you know 
you know our friend like he's right yeah he's like a he likes he likes all he he appreciates mm. the sort of process he, he of, likes ducks done the duck way like yeah. they you know but i think he give he, for youth sure. waterfowl he, was over, very he, he probably ex- gives everybody a pass he was very excited but i was also he, like every first duck i've ever heard of has been shot on the water he I've, shot his first duck on the water I thought it would be good for him to take this opportunity of yeah. ample shooting to learn how to do some wing shooting because later in the year, ducks aren't going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he shot plenty of, of uh, pigeons out of the air, so he's got some wing Street shooting. Street pigeons, yeah. clay pigeons. I'm like, take like there's birds flying. Let's take the opportunity in a, in a stress-free environment, you being the only gun in the blind, to do some wing shooting. Anyhow, eventually I look. And here comes four Canadas. You know, like, just like they're, they're flying so slow that, that it looks like they couldn't stay in the air. And they're coming at us, you know. And like later in the season, you'd be like, well, surely they'll, the decoys will flare them or they'll lift up high and they keep coming. And I'm looking and they're like coming and coming. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get like the world's like, you know. 25 yards off the deck, like flying unbelievably slowly, directly over our head. And uh, he pulls up and boom, just drops one. I said, hold, I said, hold it out in front of his bill, right? When you shoot. And he boom, just drops one. And I was stunned. He wasn't even kind of stunned, but I was totally stunned. <laughs> and then he shoots again. And he's like, I got that other one. And I'm and I'm like, I didn't, you know, I never listened to anything he says. So I didn't believe him that he got the other one. <laughs> And that's just in one ear and out the other. And we got the goose and took pictures and had all kinds of good times. He keeps talking about getting the other one, getting the other one. And I'm like, where is it? You know, the geese, it's like the big pond out in front of us. There's no goose laying on it. And we get all done hunting and we go over and he's still talking about it. We go over there and there's that goose running away, jumped it up in the bushes. And You're going to have to start listening to him. Oh yeah. Cause it. one day we were doing some, we were catching some beavers for a guy, a friend of ours. And we walk out of our friend's place and my kid's like, there's a coyote. And then looking, I don't see any coyote. And I'm like, Jimmy, come on, cut that crap out. Then he turns around and he's like, there's a weasel. And I'm like, James, listen, man. With that look, I was like, oh, there is a weasel. <laughs> no, I instinctively don't believe him. I don't know what it is. He's seeing stuff you're not. You're, you're, maybe you're, uh, your visual acuity is fading. You're oh, just not- it absolutely is, man. So yet last night we took his waterfowl and we cut up. One of the geese, so we cut up two breasts and we're brining it for, or marinating it for jerky. We took the legs of all the geese and the legs of all the duck and we're curing that for confit. And then he wants to save the rest just for regular dinner eating. So he's kind of working all those projects. He's measuring out all of his stuff. Nice. Yeah. Acting very irritated. Irritated about what? That doesn't he doesn't want to do the work part. Oh, he doesn't? Oh. No. He's a trigger man. Can I go now? Can I go now? <laughs> yeah, no, he's a trigger man. He's like a, he's like a gun writer. <laughs> yeah, total trigger man. What uh, about just general, uh, like, gutting and oh, field cleaning? Oh, he loves all that. He's Measuring, just... like, dry spices, not his thing. <laughs> yeah. Not his thing. Did you guys pluck him? I... You know what? We started to pluck him. But it's so early in the year. Like, you can't barely tell it. You know, this early in the year, you can't barely tell a greenhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they just molted. Yeah. And we started to pluck them. One, just thin. 
it's just skin, very little fat. Yep. And then the geese were okay, but the ducks, very little fat, and then all that pin feather. Yeah. Just it wasn't happening. We had to just pull. We just we just pulled them. Yep. Skinned them. I think you got to wait a little bit. Yeah. It's like in Alaska, early. they hunt ducks so early, you know, up there. The ducks are all just like brown ducks. It's so hard to tell what the hell's going on. Hmm. Are these, the, just, you think these are just resident birds you guys are hunting? For sure. Yeah, they're not migrating for sure. yet. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these birds, some of these birds hatched out of the egg on the very, hatched right. out of an egg on the very place we are yeah. hunting. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. 
I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. So Brody, issue a report about your bear hunting, your bear hunting adventures. It was good. It was super short. Yeah, I was like, you sent me a picture of a bear and I'm like, Bahama, he's he's still at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, drove, I drove from, uh, I left Bozeman at like, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning. So it's, you know, 12, 11, 12 hours to get to where I was hunting. Drove so, to Colorado. Yep, Colorado. Hauled a wolf down there, turned it loose probably. Yep, exactly. <laughs> a great big one. And a green. Um, super wolf. But, uh, <laughs> them Canadian, them there Canadian super wolves. <laughs> They're already there. They're having pups in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, got to where I was going to camp, set up camp. It was about six in the evening by that point. Hiked up to a little spring-fed water hole. That was probably at, like, got up there at, like, 7, 7.15. Yeah, to be feeling like taking a nap by now. I don't mind driving, usually. Yeah. I don't mind it. Um, and, and it's, like, it was good to get out and hike after being that truck, you know. Um, anyway, sat down. I was going to try it, filming it. And before I could even get the, the little DSLR out, um... A sow and three cubs rolled in. They messed around for 10 minutes or so, and then she started getting real nervous. And I had the When you wh- say messed around, like, what was the messing the, around? The cubs were, like, fighting and playing in the pond, and she was drinking water. They are just, like, chilled out, you know? Just, it was cool. It was on a shady side of the mountain, so I think they're just in no rush, you know, to yep. enjoy themselves. So that was fun watching them, but then she got all nervous and started huffing at her cubs, and one cub ran up, like, took off. That was, I guess, the smart one. And the other two lingered, and she pushed them up into the timber. And the wind was in my face, so I was like, man, there might be a boar coming in. And sure enough, like a minute later, a big jet black boar came in, and I shot him. Was that boar uh, upwind of her? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. The wind was kind of, for me, it was quartering left to right. So she was kind of, the pond is at the, like, base of this hill. So that wind was hitting the pond and then going up, and he came from up above her. But, man, she did not want to mess around with that boar. Because she had young cubs, like the little teeny puppy-sized cubs. And, yeah, that was my hunt. And that's that's the three jars of bear oil oil you gave me? Yep. Uh, How many jars did you end up with? How many quarts? He gave me little teeny jars. I ended up, yeah, half quart jars. Um, I ended up with like three and a half gallons total. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Three and a half gallons of oil? Yeah, it was like Jeez. 14 quarts total, Holy I think. Holy shit. Does it make you happy or sad that I gave one of those to my friend Laura? Happy. You know what I did? I took beets out of the garden and um, and carrots out of the garden and and roasted them in that bear grease. 
Yeah. Same good. way you put olive oil on them. Yeah. Put that bear grease on them. It's and roast like them. it's clean. It's like it's you know it's a oh, good. I've been doing everything like that. Potatoes in the oven, roasted. Just put some bear grease on it. I haven't. No, Yanni that. wasn't real happy with that bear grease you made. Apparently up. not. I, I can redistribute <laughs> that well. <laughs> um, no, I got plenty of it to share. We couldn't. I couldn't go through all that stuff. Has anybody done cookies yet? That's mm. what I was just gonna say. I've, I've done. done I've done puff pastry with it in the past. Yeah, I haven't done any baking. I don't like to bake though. I kind of quit. It's kind of a long process, but it's easy. I think what Giannis was talking about is if you get it too hot. Or if you, like you said, go too long on those crackling, because you want to squeeze like every bit of fat out of those things. And I think you got to give up at some point. Oh. When you're rendering it. Well, you know what people do? What I wonder, I shouldn't say what people do. I know that you put a candy thermometer in there. Mm -hmm. I know I've read processes for doing it where you actually do it in your oven. So you have a better grip on the temp. Yeah. But you need to have an oven that's reliable at low temp. Yep. And I think it might be. But I've heard people say, like, set the oven and put it in there but with a candy thermometer. Yep. Because then you can go for hours and hours and hours. And not. And not spike. Yep. And not have temperature spikes. Yeah, that But I've sense. tried that, but I don't know. I, I haven't really calibrated it, but I don't know that ovens do a great job of, like, holding, you know, 170. Or, yeah, I don't know if they do a great job of holding a low temp, like yeah. 170, but I never mess with it. Um, I, I think... Probably if you ground it up, it might render out a little better because I just cubed it, you know. That's a good idea. Grind it and render it. Yeah. You'd have to do it when that stuff's real cold because it has like a low melting point. Like when I was skinning that bear, it was probably, I don't know, it was in the 70s. It was hot and it, like that stuff melts melting. At, yeah. Yeah. You know what it would be a good idea, man? Take that uh, snake oil. Here. Do a taste test? No. Put it in a little jar and write bear oil on it. <laughs> then give it to someone. And then see later be like, hey, man, how'd you like that bear oil? They'll send it to Clay Newcomb, see what If they're like, that was the best shit I've ever eaten in my entire life, then we'll know. And my joints don't hurt anymore. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, my arth- my rheumatism cleared right up. <laughs> see, I, 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 that's... Oh, the Osborne Russell suffers horrible rheumatism. Did he use snake oil? No, because, but they, they don't have waiters. They're trapping all oh, that cold water into the winter, trapping in the spring, no waiters. So he would talk about in the cold weather just the horrible ache of spending all those years in the water with no. Just getting used to being it's wet. It's amazing all they the time. had toes. I bet you plenty of them didn't. Jeez, tough, tough dudes. So what else about you? Is the bear meat good? Yeah, man, it's great. You know, he's probably eating those acorns down there. He had, I think, he had just switched to them. The berries had. It was a drought down in Colorado, so the, it was like right at the tail end of berry season, and they're all dried up, most of them. And you know, when oftentimes when not not that I have a bunch of experience shooting bears, but they'll often let out a little turd when you shoot them. And his was that pasty, creamy kind of tan acorn poop hmm. so i'm not ate, familiar with it because i don't spend a lot of time in the acorn areas i think that's why the bears get big in colorado man because they go big. berries and then they switch to those acorns and then if they're lucky they find a carcass or two gambles oh yeah right. oak yeah oak brush yeah huh i killed a deer in tuskegee national forest in alabama one time um my brother was going to grad school down in auburn 
and he's discovered like the great deer hunting down there. And one time he was getting like five deer a year down there. And we, one time I took a Greyhound bus from Montana to Alabama to hunt deer. Mm. And, um, we all got a buck. We were there for like, I don't know, maybe a week, Christmas break. And we all killed a buck on Tuskegee National Forest. I remember sitting up in a magnolia tree hunting deer. But anyways, shot a buck and pulled his stomach out. It was like a giant marble bag. It was just full of like. Undigest. Like the, just he, he hadn't even sw- chewed him. No. Swallowed. Like I almost killed a dog on that trip on accident. Not almost. I got down and got ready. We're like walking along. I'm looking down a power cut. And I'm like, there's a deer. It was a great Dane. Like, what are the chances of that, man? Wow. Yeah. A question I have is, did you carry a gun on the Greyhound with, like? Yeah, and I was so paranoid, man. I took it apart. I did that twice. Super paranoid. Took it apart and put it in a duffel bag. I bet you couldn't get away with that these days. I was very paranoid. Very, very paranoid. But it worked out. You know what? I'm telling a lie. I took my shotgun on the Greyhound to hunt ducks. When we hunted deer, I was lying. I didn't do that. I didn't bring, he, I must have used Danny. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I took a shotgun when we, the first time we went down there to hunt, or maybe it was the second time. One time I went down there to hunt ducks. One time I went down there to hunt deer. I took the shotgun. It was like two and a half day Greyhound ride. Worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Taylor probably just write about four, five, six songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing some good one. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to dip in now. I mean, I guess if we. I, I guess so. You no, you got one oh, in oh, there yeah, now. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever sing songs about dipping? No, no, no. I'll leave that to the uh, everybody else. You, you should write a song called Full Stadium. <laughs> Full Stadium. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? It's when you put dip on your upper and bottom lip. We call that a hog nut. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yanni. Uh, now, uh, regale us with stories from the Phelps Woods. Oh, um, yeah, had a great hunt. It was interesting. We, uh, you know, we got invited to hunt a friend of ours' uh, private ranch. Uh, for me, get how many thousands of acres? But there's a couple thousand at least there to hunt. And uh, my goals, since I was going to hunt with you say Jason, at least. Yeah. Oh, okay. My goal, since I was going to hunt with Jason Phelps, who manufactures game calls and started with elk calls, is like, you know, like knows a lot about calling elk. Was Coolest uh, guy on the planet. Yeah. I like him like better than Seth. Yeah. And I tell you, you That's saying you, a lot. You'll, <laughs> you'll like him even more after you spend a week in hunting camp with him. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I got to know him. You know, it was nice. He actually offered. I told him that you and I were holding on to some Wyoming elk points, and he said, well, I think you guys have plenty of points to draw where I would like to take you and call for you next fall. Seriously? Yeah. He Seriously? He doesn't even want to tag himself. He'll just come and call. You're kidding me. I'm not. Yeah. I got to ask, because you, you're usually on the other end of the calling thing. Mm-hmm. Gotta, I got to know what he's even like better. To- he's even better than Yanni. Oh no no no! I'm saying Giannis is usually the one doing the calling. Yeah, because this he, time, Yanni's better than everybody else. Not better than Phelps. <laughs> I know. So I'm saying Yanni's better than everybody else. Phelps is better than Yanni. And I, so I want to know what it was like. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Just out there with my bow in my hand and the arrow knocked. And uh, I was telling this to someone else. The, I think it was the first bull. Well, he called in a spike, and you know, spikes come in. You can't shoot spikes in Colorado. And 
I think the whole state. Right? There's, I think there might, there might be a, be a couple, couple places. places where you can. Colorado, they got to have four points on one antler or a uh, five-inch brow tine to be legal. So usually when a spike comes in, you know, everybody kind of like, it's like, yeah, whatever. We'll mess with them for a few minutes, whatever. So, but the first branch antler bull that he called in was a six point, and we had kind of a hasty setup. I didn't get hidden as not as much as I would have liked. You to. mean because all of a sudden it was just like real. We were we got in tight, and he was right there because like, you were hearing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bugling, and we we kind of ran in there. He was bugling. The bull was responding bugling. to you, or he was just bugling because he's bugling. A little bit of both, but definitely responding to us. Okay. You know, we were locating him. So you we, hustle in there. We crossed kind of a a draw holler kind of a feature on on the top of this big ridge, and um, crept up through some kind of not super dense, but some dense. We were in open aspens, and we had to go through some semi dense uh, fir trees, and we popped up on a little bench, nice beautiful meadow, and you could tell it's kind of like a spot where you'd see some elk, you know, feeding and doing their thing. And he's bugling on the far side of it, maybe at 100 yards, maybe. And we really quickly are like, all right, which tree, that tree, that tree. And I should have gone with tree number one, but it just didn't look big enough. And I went with tree number two, which had like four or five trees around it. I just would have been, cl- you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, But I would have been 10 yards closer, and I maybe would have had this other um, – like alder type feature that would have blocked his view from me. Cause he ended up picking me out. But basically as soon as I set up. You're, you're, and you set up like in front of the tree. Yeah. Yep. And as soon as I set up, I see some cows feeding off to my left, like within bow range. And then I look up to the right, kind of up this meadow, up the ridge. And I see more cows popping out of the woods feeding and this bull's bugling. So we're like in the circle, right? Like it's going to happen. But what's cool is that Jason's like, I don't know. 15 feet off to my right, just kind of off the edge of the, um, you know, just the the terrain drops off and he's kind of tucked down at the base of a tree. And he's like sitting there calling, but then talking to me about like what the bull's doing, what he's doing to like manipulate the bull and sort of like narrating the thing. And the bull's doing exactly what Jason (laughs) says he's going to do. And I'm like, wow. This dude really knows what's up. Like he's not at all like shaken up by the situation. He's just very much methodically like looking at it, analyzing and making moves and making sounds and you know making. And he's moves. able to predict. So it's not Pretty all. Much. It's not like just explaining what happened as though you know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah. Well, he's like trying things and he's like, nope, that didn't seem to work, or he didn't bugle back at that sound, or he did. Or that one made him start, you know, walking because pretty soon we could see, you know, the antlers coming from the far side. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is going to work out pretty good for me. But uh, that one didn't because I wasn't covered up enough. And at like 60 or 70 yards, the bull eyeballed me and didn't spook, but just turned 90 degrees and kind of walked out of the meadow and went back. You know, as soon as he was out of sight, he started bugling again. Didn't you know? like, he didn't like it. So we kept chasing him. Um, but, yeah, so we basically chased that herd. There was, I don't know, maybe three, four bulls bugling. Chased until dark. Uh, never got on him again. Uh, found a sweet campsite, just a really nice flat bench on this big ridge we were on. It was interesting. One of the stillest nights I've ever spent in the woods. I mean, just like not, not once. You know how in the middle of the night you always seem to wake up and you feel that cold yeah. breeze and it wakes you up and you got to roll over and cover it up? I mean, just none of it. There was no thermal even. Just like still. Like I th- like we were even like pu- busting out our wind checkers and you just puff it and it would just just sit there. And the Til whole morning. night yeah. was like that. 
So yeah, so in the morning we get up and uh, we figured we'd be hearing them from camp. Never heard a bugle all night. Started to get a little nervous. And then in the morning we walk maybe, I don't know, two or 300 yards and start doing low location bugles and a bull answered us. And then we pretty immediately, pretty much immediately got right back into the herd. Jason called one in and he came behind again, one of these sort of like alder type thickets. They really love rubbing these, those alder thickets. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. You don't see a lot of them. Are you but sure it's alder? Yeah. I yeah. sent it to my wife and she uh, texted back. That the, it, the resident botanist at the yeah, Putellis household. That's right. And uh, they love rubbing them. But you don't see a lot of them. They're, but in like the mo- a moist little draw, like a seep almost, where there's you know. a little more moisture, you always see these things. And Does it uh, got a reddish inside to it? Um, orange, reddish, yeah. maybe. You mean like when he's rubbing it? Like when you get to the cambium layer, yeah. it's kind of, it's like an ochre color. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So his first bull kind of comes in on the far side of one of these like masses. He was close. He's, you know, 10 yards or less. But as he's coming around behind it, you know, he sees something, you know, me at full draw, sort of shaking probably, and just never quite clears enough for me to let loose an arrow. Hmm. Had some stuff covering up his shoulder. And so uh, we knew where they were heading to bed, or we thought we did. So we basically, at that point, we could hear bulls moving in that direction. So we kind of backed out of there, did a loop behind them, or we're kind of coming up a ridge it's not really so we're on a big ridge and sort of where the ridge drops off into steep dark timber where we thought they'd bed we're running up that edge and trying to cut them off before they get into the timber you know and uh we get in pretty tight we actually think that they probably heard us you know we have four people you know pushing it to get in there the bull that i shot probably heard us coming and probably thought oh that's you know more elk joining this you know group that we're in so we got in there, again, under 100 yards. Jason bugled a couple of times, and you could just see this bull start walking down. And he might have been 10 yards off this edge that I am keep referencing, and he's, there was sort of like an alleyway through the woods that he was coming down. And uh, he stops at maybe like 40, and I can't see him. And Jason's like, he's at 40. I'm like, yeah, I know he's somewhere in there, but I don't have a lane. And then a few seconds later, he's like, okay, he's walking again. You know, So I drew then, and then I could see him pop out. He's walking kind of slightly quarter in two. And then it's amazing how those animals, like when you call, they know what tree that call came from. Like they know where you're standing because he's walking, walking and kind of looking down the alleyway. And then right in this little gap that we're standing in, looking out into the alleyway, it's like as soon as he's parallel with that, he turns to look right in there. He's like, that's where that bull should be that I heard bugling, right? So he turns right in there. And, uh, you know, up until a couple of days prior to that, I probably never would have taken a frontal shot on an elk, meaning like shooting him straight in his chest. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always going to wait for broadside or quartering away. And uh, Jason had told me that he killed last four out of five of his bulls taking that shot. And uh, so this bull rolls in at like, we think it's 15 or 16 yards. And right at the end, he pretty much turns. So he's straight on with me at all. There's no quartering anymore at all. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this would be a good opportunity to try this. And so I let loose. Jason even told me, you know, basically aim right where the color change is, where that mane ends yep. and sort of that brisket starts. And that arrow disappeared inside of him. And before he spun, you know, you could see the blood spurting out. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Jason bugles once. And then right when his bugle ends, you just hear this loud crash. 
which was him running into an aspen and then kind of crashing across these fallen logs that were fallen aspen logs that were on the ground. And uh, I'm guessing he was dead in three to five seconds. Really? Yeah. I mean, just so, so fast. Had we just stepped out into that alleyway that I described that he walked down, we could have seen him. He went 70 yards from where I shot him. We could have seen him piled up. But, you know, you never know. And so we just said, you know what? Let's just plop down right here. We'll give it 45 minutes and, and then we'll go look. But yeah, we could have just stepped out there and walked right up to him. I mean, he was dead instantly. Nice. Yeah. So, um, film the whole damn thing. Oh, yeah. Some great, great footage. The, yeah. We got good footage. So, yeah, we probably called in, I don't know. Jason, I think, called in, including that spike, four or five bulls for me. And then I called in one for him in the remaining two days that we had. Got him close, but 16 yards, he just wouldn't step out from behind oh, the screen. He was at full draw for a long time, two or three, to the point where Jason had to let down because he was at full draw for so long. So he'll take us. He'll he'll go and, and uh, if we use our Wyoming mm-hmm. points, he'll go with us. Mm-hmm. Dude, that'd be fun, man. Very fun. No, it's great. Great hunting with him. Hmm. He's uh, he's a real pro. Um, we had a blast. What do you think about all that, Taylor McCall? I heard one thing that perked my ear, ears up. Jericho St- Bush? St- steep, dark timber. That's oh, lot. that's a good song, that's, that's dude. somewhere in there. I don't know if it's a song, but it's in there somewhere. <laughs> all right, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, uh, rip out? Or what, what, you got anything you got to add? Then you're going to rip out your tune for us. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, what are you going to add? I do just, you hunt? I, I've, somebody, I've, been, I've always grew up more fishing just because that's what my dad and I did. Uh, I've been hunting twice. Uh, and I'd love to do some more of it. Just never had the opportunity to. Always uh, just fishing, you know, um, always seemed to be. I, I never had any lessons in it, you know what I mean? But I've yep. had two people take me out. I, I seem to like the more moving around, like we did some rabbit hunting, you know. Um, That's fun, man. Yeah. Sitting in the stand before, I, I definitely, first time I went, fell asleep and knocked my head on the front thing. And I was like, yeah, I like moving around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh you live in Nashville? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Been there uh, two years now, so it's been a, it's been a great two years. Is it a good? Is that a good move for aspiring musicians? Oh, uh, that's the wild thing, man. It's all I feel like uh, what I'm doing with my music is very organic because a lot of people they want to be you know the next this or that, and they like oh you got to move to Nashville and make it. Or it's like oh you always hear like you know that I, song the ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good yeah, tune, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. David Allen Cole, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh It's about going to Nashville. It's like one of those things. I never moved there until I had uh my first publishing deal. So I played and sang my first ever gig January twenty eighteen and had a publishing deal with a major company uh that September and still didn't even move there and uh you know it funded me. I stayed back in South Carolina to get this bad boy right here. I always wanted to. I thought you had some guitar that was in a burning house or something like yeah, that. Can yeah, I hold yeah. this guitar? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, that's what the wild story Loaded. is, is uh, when I was about <laughs> six, I uh, I got drum set. My dad, uh, he's a carpenter, and he uh, spent three years of his off time building this two-story log cabin we only got to live in for a few months. And uh, Let me know um, when the sad part hits. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's about to hit. Because uh, I'm going to do the little and uh mood setting and so uh one day i was at school and uh the house caught on fire and it burned everything we had and the mail truck uh came up with my first guitar he's like almost didn't bring this up but i I figured somebody needed it and uh, that's all i had and really as they say the rest is history (laughs) what'd you think of that accompaniment that's good it's like in when you're watching one of those short films and it gets to like a sad part and when i got the diagnosis and the, the music will be like 
in the arms of the angel. You know? <laughs> when the doctor called with the diagnosis, our hearts just sank. You like that shit? That's Yanni special right there. <laughs> Good job, Steve. <laughs> okay, so you're going to play us a new tune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so do you sell music to other music? Have you ever sold a song to another musician? I uh, know, but a lot of the uh, I have the market too with uh, the publishing deal. So a uh-huh. lot of people in my field, you know, they uh, I'm more of an artist side of things. So I write all my own stuff, and uh, uh, which so that's you, not something you look to do. Yeah, just because um, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things that the way my mind works and how I write and how I play is so not setting me apart and different it's just so different it's not necessarily what's selling but yeah so like somebody like myself um you know they go in and they write you know uh, at least two times a week if not more and uh you know they might pitch that to jason aldean and get something like that but uh you know i just i love language too much play on words for that to be you know coming through the radio but i mean the peers i work with you know keith urban songs my buddy dave panish he's the first person i ever uh co-wrote a song with and uh he's written you know american ride toby keith uh all kinds of stuff uh keith urban stuff and it's wild because like my mom grew up loving keith urban's like early stuff and now to see you know we'll play a gig at the bluebird cafe which is a pretty special place in nashville and she gets to see the people the stories behind and meet them and it's like Mm -hmm. at least i'm making her a little bit proud you know what i mean (laughs) that's good yeah. yeah yeah now stay close to that mic yeah i will You'll dig this one. So this one, uh, this tune, this tune, new brand new tune. So y'all heard it first. This one ain't even. It's uh, it's gonna be on the new record. I know they probably don't like me playing stuff that ain't out, but um, y'all get to, y'all get to hear this one first. It's a good one. It's called Black Powder Soul. Black uh, Powder Soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Do women throw themselves at you when they see you in the airport? Um, I usually have a big Pelican case, like for my, cause it's a nice guitar. You don't just be slinging this, you know, pretty easy. So if people are like. What is that in that case? And they always asking when I walk through, people think it's like an AK forty seven or something. So once that gets through and I get through, they're like, What is that? And I always like, It's my samurai sword, you know. And <laughs> it just throws people off. It's I, I try to be dry humor and it's sometimes it just don't connect. But anyway, here's this uh it's a new tune called Black Powder Soul. Soul. 
outrun them tables, you can't outrun them. Cowboys and hustlers holding a steel wheel hand. The best blood money is what keeps you fed when there ain't no running east or west. Black powder, black powder, so I got dark clouds above me. Oh, and the fire is below. My heart is burning, my blood runs cold. Got a black powder, black powder soul. Black powder yeah, soul. Yeah. Right here, man. Right here in the ticker. You like that? One? Loved it. You got a great you. voice, man. You, Sounds man. awesome. Oh Thank no, it's great. That's my favorite song, man. Thank you. Yeah, y'all. Heard I like the over under touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like insider. So that was the people don't because most people would be like double barrel. People, people. Uh, this is this kind of interesting point is people are always curious about the song, right? You know, is it the words or the you know? And it's just it's a hard thing to explain. Like that tune itself took three days to write, and so like the first two verses, I keep give you a little insight on it. It might help with that process because any anytime somebody like a songwriter tries to explain it. You know, it's this, it's it's one of those things like, how can you explain something that has, you know, infinity possibilities yeah, you know, down yeah. to the letter, you know? And, uh, you know, the first, I started with the line, I'm a warless soldier, I'm a lawless man. You know, what does that put in your head? You know, like this guy, he ain't seen the war, but he's a lawless man. He's like, he's, yeah. out, he's out here in Bozeman running around shooting something, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, just kind of... Uh, the course of that black powder soul, you know, that kind of tied everything up of this. Um, I don't know. I just love this kind of Western vibe of, you know, you, you get, you get kind of a like Western, you know, Oh, for sure. Like hell man, on yeah. wheels, you know, something yeah. like that. And, uh, yeah. So like, um, the, uh, over under stuff is, uh, I hadn't done a stint in Spokane, but damn, that's a good line. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're writing a song and someone's got to do a stint somewhere, that's yeah, a good place to yeah, have to do a stint. Yeah. Over my bathtub gin. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, man. Thank you all for having me. Wish you the best of luck in your thank career. You. Thank you. Yeah. I heard, I heard that you're going to become really famous. Man, I hope we can make you, some money and get a little place over here in uh, uh, Paradise Valley. And yeah, you have <laughs> someone. Uh, you have a a, a a a music biz person who you can't. He really uh, is enthusiastic about your talent. Man, it's all worked out. That's why I say it. it's down to the T. Of like, I'm 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 made to do this. I believe because I I would have never. I thought I was going to be a fishing guy the rest of my life. You know, and uh, the people I've met. You know, only idiots do that, right, Brody? Yes, correct. The, the the guy that you're talking about, you know, we uh, he met it like I was playing one of my first places in Nashville, and I, that night I met my manager, who is to this day him, and uh, got my publishing deal that night. The guy from the oh, publishing really? company, he stayed in the green room with us till four o'clock in the morning, listening to songs, and he was like, you know, tell me what he's gonna do, and I was like, yeah, man, I ain't gonna ever see this guy again, and uh, <laughs> so I went back to work in construction because that's what I did before I moved up there, and. Sure enough, he called me and was like, you know, we're going to get you up here. And it's like, man, you know what I mean? How old are you? 23. Oh, you got plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You so. Seth's old enough to be your daddy. Man, everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, yeah, hopefully we'll get to come see you live back yeah, yeah. when, uh, when live shows are yeah. a thing again. Definitely. Yeah, I'll be like, I knew that son of a 100%. bitch. When, y'all, y'all heard when he, was singing, top, so. when he was singing intros and outros for Yanni's book report. I know, man. That's, y'all stumped me for a minute, but now I get what y'all talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, man. Best of luck to you. Thanks for coming Thank on the show. Thank you all for having me. Thank you very much. Taylor McCall. How people go find you? Taylor McCall. Uh, you can go on taylormccall.com, and we just uh, we got the online store for if you want to get a T-shirt, a hat, something, that's good. Um, we uh, You can find me on Instagram, Taylor McCall Music, and everywhere else. But the know. tune you just read, the tune you just not, you didn't read it. That's writer language. The tune you just played is not available. Mm-hmm. Only so, available yeah. here. So if you like what you heard there, we recording the album in uh, November, and it'll be out uh, here soon, so... And that song will be on that. Yeah, and we're but actually, this version's better yeah. than that. Yeah, I was originally uh, there was this tune Quartermaster um, that's coming out I like that. October. That's a good name now. for you. Uh, and um, I was like, man, they got to hear some Black Powder Soul today. Quartermaster is a great name for a song, though. No, yeah, oh, it is. I wrote it as uh, it's kind of this um, kind of this guy goes to war, and it's the uh, you know how usually the the husband dies. You know, well he comes back from war, and Quartermaster kind of you know he wasn't a chopper gunner. You know, he was handing out sleeping bags and. Um, he come back and his his, his wife died. So mm. I was kind of holed up in uh, on this lake uh, in isolation. That's where I I love to write. And this huge bookcase I was writing at, and I picked up picked up a book, and the title of the book was "Gentlemen, Swords and Pistols," and that that spiraled into like this whole song about that. And you know, that's what writing songs is. You know what I mean to me? It's like taking that one thing and turning it into you know a, like that story. You know, just an imagination. I got a crazy brain, I guess. Well, that's great, man. Yeah, Keep you. it crazy. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Taylor McCall, check them out. Uh, buy some stuff from them. Sweet hats. Listen to some music. The new yeah. album's called what? Uh, nothing. Uh, not sure yet. Yeah. You haven't named it? Got but some, it's coming out. Yeah, it's coming out. And it's, it includes uh, Black Powder Soul. Yeah, it's, we got so many songs, it's just whittling down, you know what I mean? Black Powder yeah. Soul. Yeah. I might do some, like, <laughs> backup on that shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thanks a lot. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, it's Steve here. Are you serious about hunting or self-defense? Well, starting in 1996, XS Sights took proven dot-the-eye sight pictures from firearms used on African safaris and applied that methodology to modern defensive handguns, all made in America and trusted by industry leaders. Meat Eater listeners can get an exclusive discount on the XS Sites website. So just go to XSSites.com and use code MEATEATER at checkout for 25% off. XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light.